And we'll be looking at several verses of Scripture, starting in verse 17, going through 27. Just give you a minute. It will be on the screen, but but certainly want you to uh, to study into the Word. Now, this is going to be a. I want you to pay attention because we're going to dig into this verse of Scripture. We're going to open it up. We're going to see what it is God wants to say to us through this passage of Scripture. On the surface, you might read through it and and look at it and see one thing, but I want to dig into it this morning. The title of the message is The Heart of the Issue. And, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about the heart. I, say, I, I share with you a lot about the heart. You know, being a, a medicine guy, anatomy is one of those things that's important or has been important to me over the years. And the heart's very centrally located, a focal point of an, a human anatomy. But God's Word says a lot about the heart and the, the human heart, how it functions, what, it's, what it does. And we're going to look at some things this morning about the heart and, and focus is another thing we're going to look at together. And let me just lead you into that passage this morning. As Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ and we are to be on mission with God, on his mission, sharing the gospel, touching people's lives, helping people, doing outreach ministries, just like Rodney had mentioned, just like the things that we're doing this evening. It's all an outreach. We're on mission with God. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want to show God's unconditional love. And as followers of Christ, we are to be on mission until Christ returns. We know based on the promises of God's word that Jesus Christ will return and receive the church to himself. There's going to be a time when this world's going to come to an end. Uh, You know, we talked about that this past week about end times. We talked about that on Sunday night. I I shared with you some things about darker days ahead. And and it looks like, you know, maybe these things are, are, are really coming full circle a lot of times. But we need to be on mission until God calls us home or until he comes re- to return. Now, we look forward to the day that Jesus comes back. And we thank you for God for the promises in his word. And we look forward to that day that he returns with anticipation. We're anticipating it. We're looking forward to that because we're living in a world that seems to be losing focus on God. When we live in this world, we seem to look around. If you look at the leadership of the country, you look at what some things that have been mentioned that are going on all around the world. We look at a country and a world that seems to be losing focus on Jesus. We look forward to anticipation of Christ returning because in many areas, our leadership has lost focus on God. Our leadership in this country has lost focus on God in many places. I'm not saying everybody, but let's look at some things. And, and, and I want to share with you something this morning, and I've never done this before, but there was a ray of hope in our country's leadership this past Wednesday night when Mike Johnson was elected as Speaker of the House. And say, well, here, here he's going to do some politics, and he's going to politic for us this morning. But let me just dig into it a little bit. For following being elected as Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson asked the entire GOP to stop and bow their heads and pray with him. Amen. Not to pray for him, even though we should be praying for our leaders in this country, all of them. But he asked them to pray with him. He wanted them to refocus. Johnson is a Southern Baptist who has served as a trustee in the Southern Baptist Convention on the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. I had to do some research to find that. But he has served as a Southern Baptist in the Southern Baptist Convention on a particular commission. Well, I said, well, Brother Kerry... We need to keep politics out of the church. We don't mix politics and church. We need to keep politics out of church. But let me re- reiterate something for you this morning. I had, to, I had to run this by Jason this week when he, we had lunch because I said, you think it's okay if I, if I talk about this? 
He said, well, I'm not going to be there, so it's okay. <laughs> Our leadership needs to be focused on God. Let me tell you, here's something that's very important to me. God is in the church because it is his church, and we need the church in our leadership. Amen? Amen. We need to have biblical people. We need to have Christians. We need to have strong Christian values in the church because let me tell you something. There's some things going on in our leadership that are not strong Christian values. They're the farthest thing from it. We need to be in prayer for our leadership in this country on a daily basis because the decisions that they make have a direct impact on our lives and the lives that we live and on the mission of God and on his mission. We know that the timeline for Jesus' return is strictly in the hands of God. Jesus himself said that. No one knows the day, the time, the hour, but the Father in heaven. He's the only one that knows when Jesus is going to return. But we got to be on mission and be prepared. And that's what I want to do this morning. We want to be prepared and to be ready for the sound of the trumpet. We want to be prepared and ready for the time when Jesus comes back the same way that he left. He ascended into the heavens and he's going to return the same way that he left. This morning, I would like for us to open up God's word together and look at the heart of the issue. And now the heart of the issue is what Jesus is focused on. Let me tell you something. It's what Jesus is focused on. And we want to be Christians. We want to be Christ-like, which means that we want to be like Christ. So whatever Christ is focusing on is what we should be focusing on. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning? Mark 10, starting in verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear fault witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and your mother. He said to him, Teacher, I've kept all of these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven? The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible tells us the story of a young, rich, successful 
respected ruler. And that's what we're talking about this morning, who acknowledged Jesus Christ was Lord. In verse 17, when we look at the first scripture, it says he ran up to him. He didn't just walk up to him. He ran up to him and he knelt before him. He knew who Jesus was. He ran up to him. He knelt before him and he called him good teacher. That was the introduction of that. This man was a seeker. This man was looking for something that he didn't have. He was looking for something that he wanted, something that he realistically knew he needed. He was looking for something that Jesus had. He wanted to know how it was to have eternal life. He wanted to know how he could get eternal life. And he went up to Jesus because he knew that Jesus knew that. He approached Jesus with this mission on his mind. Now, let me tell you, he was on point with what he was looking for. He was on point, and when he went up to Jesus, if you want to know how to have eternal life, you've got to go to who? To Jesus. If you want to know, you've got to go to Jesus, and he knew he had it on point. It was essential to know who Jesus was, and it was essential to know what Jesus had, and he knew that Jesus could tell him how to get eternal life, and he approached him with that mission in mind. But let me tell you something. It's essential that we all know how to have eternal life, amen? Because this life is short. It doesn't matter how long you're here. This life is short. There's a time in our life when this time is going to be over for us here, and we're going to be with the Father in heaven. So we need to know how to have eternal life. When we look a little bit further, this young man had this in mind. Jesus had something that he wanted, something that he needed, and he wanted to know how he, to get it. And this is a little deep. And you say, well, Carol, get to the part about the rich man, about all of his possessions. But let's look a little bit further. Church, Jesus has something that everybody needs, and people need to know how to get it. And at Pine Hill Baptist Church, we need to be on mission. We need to help people understand how to get to Jesus Christ. We need to help them understand the way to receive it. It is so important that people come to know Jesus Christ and that they have a, a personal relationship with him. Let's look at this passage. The focus of this passage of Scripture is not on the rich man, even though he is a key player in this passage. You look at it, well, it's all about the rich man. Well, let me tell you something. It's not all about the rich man. It's about the focus of his heart, and that's the heart of the issue that we're going to get into this morning. Even though he is a key element in this passage, Jesus uses him as an example. He shows us what we need to be looking at. He shows us how we need to be refocusing on our heart. It's not about how wealthy he was or how successful he was. It's not about his achievements or even the material possessions that he owned. It's not about all the things that he did with his life. It's not about his accomplishments, his education, or any of that. You look at, well, that's how he got to be rich. I mean, it says he was respected, so you know from that word that he was not a dishonest person, that he had gained his, his notability uh, honestly. He was respected by the people around him. The focus of this passive scripture is on the condition of this man's heart. All the way around. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. There was a condition in this man's heart. Jesus looked straight into his heart. The condition of his heart was directly related to what the rich man focused on. He was focused on the things that he possessed. He was focused on his possessions. He was focused on his achievements. He was focused on the things that he had gained in life. And that's a different issue altogether. Of our heart reveals What's important to our lives. When you look in your heart, this is it's going to be self-examination for this passage of Scripture. But of all the people who have ever approached the feet of Jesus with a desire for eternal life, this man is the only one who left in worse shape than when he got there. 
He's the only one that left in worse shape than when he got there. When, G, when you come to Jesus Christ, and when he came to Jesus, he was a seeker. He was looking for something that Jesus had. He genuinely wanted to get and know how to get eternal life. He was a seeker. But when he left, it was completely different. He had rejected what Jesus had to offer. He had a desire initially to have eternal life, but he rejected what Jesus had to offer. He went away worse off than when he got there. He had a lot in his favor. And when you look at his, his background, he had a lot in his favor. He is a young man with a lot of potential. He was respected by others. He held some type of office. Most likely it was in the court system. Most likely he was a, a ruling officer within the court system, and he was a, a fair man. It says, in, and you look in the history, he had manners. He had morals. He had a desire to, to know things. He wanted to know how to get eternal life. And in that first verse of Scripture, you have to look at it very hard. It, he didn't just walk up to Jesus. He ran up to him. He needed it desperately. He knelt down before him, and he called him good teacher. Those are some important words. He didn't just say rabbi. When Nicodemus approached Jesus, he just said rabbi. We know you're, you have come from other places. We know you're a man of God. But he didn't call him good. This man says good teacher. It's an emphasis that he put on the fact that he was a teacher, but he emphasized that he didn't teach anything that wasn't good. The weakness of this man was the fact that he had a shallow view of salvation. He didn't understand salvation. God has a plan for salvation. Even when Jesus was present among us, when he was walking amongst the people that was here, God had a plan for salvation, that Jesus was going to go to the cross. He has a plan for salvation. This man had a shallow view of it. He didn't understand the meaning nor the method of salvation. He thought that he could do something the same way that he did everything else. He thought he could do something to earn salvation, that he could merit salvation. Well, let me tell you, the only thing you have to do to gain salvation is to receive it. Amen? All you've got to do is receive it. It's a free gift. You just need to acknowledge it. You need to invite Jesus in. It's a free gift. you just got to accept it. Everything that this man had achieved in his life to this point had been a direct result of something that he had done to get it. I mean, you say, we don't, we don't work for salvation. God gives it to us freely. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is turn our life over to Jesus Christ. That's a very common view today. Many people think that one day God is going to take all their good works into account. And he's going to look at all the good things that they've done. And they're going to gain a place in heaven as a result of all the good they've done. You ever heard anybody talk about that? Man, do you, you know how to get to heaven? Well, I've, I've been a good person all my life. And that's what this man has said. I've kept all these commandments since I was young. I, I've done all these good things. A great deal of people believe that because they have been good, a good person, they haven't done anything really bad. That God is just simply going to open up the gates of heaven and welcome them on in. Just come on in. You had not done anything too bad. I mean, you have did, did a lot of good stuff. Perhaps it's going to take all the good things. God's going to, maybe God's going to take all the good that I've done and all the bad I've done and put them all together. And if, as long as I've done more good than bad, he's going to let me into heaven. Let me tell you, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's the only way. It doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how much you've gained. It doesn't matter what you do other than receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus asked this man a, a pointed question about comparing the relative goodness of man to the absolute goodness of God because people can be good and we want to be good. 
But there's a difference between being good from a man's standpoint and good from a God's standpoint. There's complete, absolute goodness from God. Essentially, what Jesus is asking him, let me ask you this. Can a man be good enough to gain access to heaven on his own? That's what Jesus is saying to him. That's what he's talking about with the disciples. Is there something that can be done from a physical human standpoint to gain access into heaven without the grace of God being involved? Absolutely not. There's no other way. We cannot be good enough, but but can it be good enough to get into heaven? We can't be good enough to have eternal life without the grace of God, without God's plan, without the plan of salvation. This is where Jesus opened up in the examination of the heart. Let me tell you something. He opened the examination of this man's heart. He looked straight into this man's heart. When the man ran up to him, he looked straight into his heart. God looks into our heart each and every day. And he examines our heart. We have to do self-examination of our heart as well. This is where Jesus opened up the examination of the heart. Jesus challenged this man to sell his possessions and follow him with all of his heart. He wanted him to change his focus from what it was focused on to, to Jesus Christ. The point of this is not that the man had to give all his possessions to the poor. The point of this message is not that, that this man had to give everything that he owned to the poor and put him on self his own self into the poorhouse. That's not what it's talking about this morning. The point is not that he had to give away everything that he had worked his whole life for. That's not the point this morning. The point that Jesus was trying to make was the fact that this man needed to refocus his heart. He needed to change his focus from the things that he possessed, from his own things that he had gained. He needed to change his focus into the Savior that was standing right there in front of him. He knew who he was, but he wasn't focused on him. He knew who he was, but he wanted something that Jesus had without changing his focus. And that's where the point comes in this morning. That's what he needed to do. He needed to change his focus to his possessions, to the Savior that was standing right in front of him. This man wanted something from Jesus, but he couldn't focus on Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's what we try to do each and every day. We want to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. It's a tough world. There's a lot, of, a lot of difficulty, a lot of struggle in this world, a lot of pain and things that go on in this world. And sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we focus on things other than what God wants us to focus on. We need to change our focus back to Jesus. This encounter of this rich man and Jesus reveals some important truths. I want to share those with you this morning about what Jesus is looking for in his followers. I mean, he looks into the heart. Jesus examines our hearts and he identifies the areas of our life where we have given priority to things other than God. I carry you stepping on my toes now. I'm stepping on my own toes because there's been many days, many times in my life when my heart was focused on something other than God. There were other things that had my control. There was other things that had my desires. There were other things that had my uh, abilities other than God. And we need to refocus. It's self-examination time. And I, I don't ask you ever ask you any questions that I don't first ask myself. Man, we need to relook at our heart. We need to look at what we're focused on. We need to look at what we're spending our time on, what we're spending our, our resources on. When I think about it on a personal level, I can hear Jesus saying to me, Carrie... I'm looking at your heart. Where's your priority? I'm looking at your heart. Where's your priority? Where's your focus? Because if I'm not focused, how can anybody else be focused? I want to make sure that my focus is on on the Lord. Church, he asks the same question of each of us, each of you and each of us. We say, here's a man who was clearly successful in his personal life. I mean, he had everything that money could buy. He had everything that, that he needed to be comfortable He's not, let me tell you, none of that assures you of the very next breath you're going to take. 
No, none of that assures you of where you're going to spend eternity. He was a man who had everything that, that was physically possible to gain, but yet he was frustrated. He knew something was missing. He knew something was wrong. He was missing out on something in life. When you look at the Bible, the Bible is very clear that during this encounter with Jesus, Jesus didn't look at the rich man as he was some kind of burden to him. I mean, he ran up to him. Jesus looked at him because it says he loved him. He loved him is what he says. The Bible reveals to us that when Jesus looked at him, he looked straight into his heart, and he saw the emptiness that was in his life. Even though the man was full of possessions, he had, he had money, he had possessions, but he had an empty heart. He had no peace in his life. Jesus looked straight into his heart. He had full of material possessions. He acquired a significant amount of, of material possessions, but he lacked peace. When we look at verse 21, it says this, Jesus loved him even though he rejected salvation that Jesus offered him. And I'll tell you something, Jesus didn't quit loving him just because he turned and walked away. He loved him before he got there, and he loved him even when he left. It wasn't about Jesus turning away from him. It wasn't about no love lack from Jesus' point of view. Jesus loved him the same way when he left, just like when he came to him. The Bible says when Jesus finished telling the story, the disciples were amazed or astonished. When you look at that, the disciples are looking at this whole encounter. They're watching the things that are going on. They're watching this way this man responds to Jesus. They're listening to the things that Jesus says to him. And it says when the man walks away that they are amazed or they're astonished. They don't quite understand it. And you look a little bit deeper. They were amazed at this man of his caliber, what he had, what he had achieved. Uh, a man who seemed to have everything right. He had done everything right. He was a fair man. He was a, a man who when you put it all together and all the good, the bad together, and you shake it all out, he had a lot more good in his, in his basket than he had bad. You look at the Bible went on a little bit further. Their question to Jesus was this. If this man, with all that he has done and his outward goodness that he has, all the things that he has done, if this man can't be saved, who can be saved? They're physical people. They're looking at it from a physical standpoint. They're human beings. They've been following Jesus for a while. He'd been teaching them, but they still had some things to learn. And the disciples had things to learn when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Amen. They still had a lot to learn even after that through the power of the Holy Spirit. They did learn a lot. But you think about it, if this man cannot be saved, who can be saved? Jesus reminded him, God has a plan for salvation. And with men, it is impossible to gain access to heaven. But with God, all things are what? Possible. And they're all possible. God, everything is possible. With all things, God is possible. This is reassurance to us this morning. We should fill our hearts with hope and encouragement. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you might be, no matter how many struggles you have or how, how many struggles you don't have, it does not matter. It's, it's all the same. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter how successful you are, God's grace is all that we need to save us. Amen? So all we need is God's grace. When we open up the word, we're looking for God, an encounter with God, and we're looking for his grace and his mercy and his protection and his leadership and his guidance. That's what we're looking for in the word of God. I mean, it's, it's all that we need. Our task this morning is to change our focus from the things that we possess to the things and the things that control our hearts and align our hearts with God. Let me tell you something. You think about it, everything that you think about this week, your work week, you know, everything that's going on, is that your focus? Is that where your heart is? Is that what, what controls your life? And I'm not saying you shouldn't do 
things. I mean, we have to do physical things. But I'm telling you where your focus needs to be, it needs to be on Jesus. I'm telling you, he wants to go with you to work. He wants to go with you to all your events. He wants to be there with you. He wants to take you and go with you. Don't leave him at the house just because you've got to go to a certain place. It's strictly an issue of the heart. Our challenge this morning is to allow Jesus to examine our hearts. Man, you've got to open up. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to sit back and say, okay, Jesus, here it is. Take a look inside. Tell me what's, what's there. Help me to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to refocus on you. And not saying get rid of everything. He's not telling you that you've got to sell everything and follow him. He's just saying refocus. Change your focus from where it's at to where it needs to be. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us refocus in these areas that we've taken off God and put them back where they belong because God is the only one who can provide eternal life. He's the only means of providing eternal life, and we have to trust in him. We've got to lean on him. We've got to take, make sure our focus is on him and nothing else. Everything else can come along later, okay? But our focus and primary focus has to be on God because he's the only one who is worthy of our focus. Amen? And God loves us. He loves us so much. And you just think about it. He sent his only son out of heaven you know, an ideal situation in heaven with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And, and God knows, that, hey, the world is in turmoil. Man, this, this, they're going to need some help because they're making mistakes. They're not following the right direction. There's going to be sin in the world. I'm going to have to make sure that there's something that takes care of this. And, and Jesus drew the straw. God said, I need you to go to heaven. Go from heaven into the earth. And I want you to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He stepped out of heaven, came onto this earth, lived a sinless life. The only person to ever walk on this earth to live a sinless life. Took every step closer to the cross for me and for you all the way. Miracle after miracle, but ultimately went to the cross so that we would have heaven as a free gift. Cannot be earned and is definitely not deserved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. If you turn it over to him, Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner, and we need a Savior, and God knew that, and he provided one for us, and all you have to do is receive him. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates, creates a separation between us and God. We can't get to him. He can't get to us. God doesn't look upon sin, but there had to be something to solve that. And he sent Jesus Christ to take the place for our sins. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's one of my favorite verses of Scripture in the Bible because it means that no matter who you are, and no matter how much you have or how much you don't have, no matter what you've done, it says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll forgive you. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, when our time is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. I'll tell you that every week because it's the truth and life is short. We're either going to spend eternity separated from God or eternally with God and have eternal life. And the choice that we make on this earth and during this time is what decides where we spend eternity. Maybe today you want to know without a shadow of a doubt that you'll spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Well, all you've got to do is turn it over to him. All you have to do is invite him into your life, invite him into your heart, make him the Lord of your life. And then there's a repentance process that takes place, which means we change from the way we are and the focus that's in our heart 
and the focus is now on Jesus. Maybe in a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Maybe you'd like to know exactly how to do that. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All you got to do is turn it over to him. In just a moment we'll have a hymn of invitation and I'll be down front. If you'd like to make this Jesus I've been talking about, your Lord of your life, and you just see me at the front. If you just want to know more about him, just meet me at the front. I'd love to pray with you. Our deacons will pray with you, whatever the need. Maybe, maybe there's those that are looking for a church home. Maybe if you want to come on down, this is a, Pine Hill is a great place to call home, whatever the decision is. Maybe there's others that just need to come to the altar and want to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Certainly this altar is open for you. Whatever the decision, this is a time that's set aside for you and the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. No one's looking around. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. All that matters is what you and your fellow, your fellowship with the Lord has this morning. Father God, I come before you this morning with a humble heart. God, I just thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. And, Father, the fact that he went to the cross to die for our sins. And, God, I just thank you for the love that's in, in your word. And, God, I thank you for loving each of us. And, Father, I pray if there's 